May the words that I speak in the meditation of our hearts and minds be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. We pray in the name of Messiah Jesus, the Anointed One. Amen. Grace to you and peace from the Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. A truck driver was hauling a very special load in his refrigerated trailer one day. He was to deliver 50 penguins to the zoo. Unfortunately, as he was driving along, his truck broke down. And he eventually waved waved down another truck and offered that driver $500 to take the penguins to the zoo. So the next day, the first truck driver got his truck fixed, and he drove on into town. And as he got into town, he couldn't believe his eyes, because just ahead of him, he saw the second truck driver walking across the road with the 50 penguins waddling behind him single file. And so the guy jumped out of his truck, he ran up to this guy, and he said, Hey, what's going on? I gave you $500 to take these penguins to the zoo. To which the man responded, Well, I did take them to the zoo, but I had enough money left over, so now we're going to the movies. (laughs) Clearly, that guy did not fully understand what he was supposed to be doing. He wasn't clear on his purpose, was he? And likewise, many people today are rather fuzzy about their sense of purpose. And I dare say even some Christians are not real clear about their purpose in life. That was not the case with Jesus. He very clearly understood his purpose for coming into the world. He knew exactly what his father had called him to do. In fact, Jesus demonstrated his purpose in a variety of ways in his ministry, but perhaps most forcefully in the statement that he gave in his hometown synagogue in Nazareth. We heard it in the gospel lesson for today. I'd like you to visually experience it again in the film clip from the movie Son of God. is the promised king of his people. What is his name? His name is Jesus. Shabbat Nei 
Jesus will now read from Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to declare freedom for the captives and recovery of sight for the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, Today, this scripture is fulfilled. What are you saying? What are you saying? That you have achieved all this? That you are the Messiah? The chosen one sent by God? No! I'm saying you must accept God's word. How dare you? That is sacrilege. He has never studied the law. This man knows nothing. His healing is the work of demons. It has begun. He undermines our faith. He recruits adulterers. Peter, turn the other cheek. You'll pay the price for this, like your friend, John the Baptist. You haven't heard, have you? He was executed, beheaded. Many scholars agree that what Jesus read that day in the synagogue in Nazareth was not part of what's called the Haftorah, or the schedule of readings for synagogue worship. Rather, he did something that was really never done. He chose his own text from Isaiah 61, verses 1 and 2. And he chose that text for a very specific purpose, to announce his mission, to basically give his mission statement. Listen to the words again from Luke 4. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. With those words, Jesus is announcing his mission statement as the anointed one the Messiah. Let's clarify a little bit about the meaning of that term, the anointed one. In the Old Testament, in the Hebrew language of the Old Testament, Mashiach, translated in English Messiah, means the anointed one. In the New Testament, the Greek word for that same name or same title is Christos, or we say Christ. Mashiach, Messiah, Christos, Christ, They both mean the anointed one. It takes us back to the time of the Old Testament when certain individuals were anointed with olive oil into their office of service to the Lord, namely prophets, priests, and kings. 
by their anointing, they were, it was an indication that now the Spirit of God was upon them as they began their service to God and to his people. Here, Jesus is saying, he has anointed me for my purpose. Let me ask you, when was Jesus anointed? No, he wasn't anointed with olive oil. He was anointed with water at his baptism. There, he was designated as my beloved son. Listen to him. There at his baptism, the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove came upon him as God the Father spoke from heaven. And there he was affirmed as the anointed one to begin his public ministry that would culminate at a cross and an empty tomb. At his baptism, he was the anointed one with a very clear purpose. Well, friends, in our baptism as well, you and I are called anointed ones. In our baptisms, we were given the name Christian, that is, little Christ. That's what Christian means, a little Christ. And at that moment in our baptism, we were given our mission, our purpose, as followers of the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. You know, in that synagogue in Nazareth so many years ago, Jesus was not only stating his purpose, he was also defining the purpose of everyone who would follow him as an anointed one, as a Christian. And so for us today, as we consider this text more closely, I think that means three things. First of all, I think it means that we need to accept his mission. If we too are anointed ones under Christ, we are to accept his mission as our mission. When Jesus read those words from Isaiah 61, every Jewish person there listening to what he read would have understood two things about those words. They would have understood, first of all, that those words applied to the promised Messiah, the anointed one. But they also would have understood that his words at the end of the reading refer to what's called the year of jubilee. The year of jubilee. In Old Testament times particularly, the year of jubilee was a special year that came along every 50th year. You recall, of course, that every seventh day was to be a day of rest, a Sabbath day, day of rest. And every seventh year was to be a Sabbath year. Every seventh Sabbath year, after 49 years, comes the 50th year, and that 50th year was considered the year of Jubilee. What did that mean? It meant a number of things. First of all, in the year of Jubilee, any Jewish people who were being held as slaves were to be set free. In the year of Jubilee, if someone through poverty had been forced to sell their land, then they were given their land back in the year of Jubilee. And it also meant that if any individuals had lost family members to slavery or to imprisonment, they were allowed to be reunited with their family. In other words, the year of Jubilee was a year of celebration, a year of great joy and restoration. It's the Jubilee. And friends, that's what Jesus was saying his mission was, essentially 
in the words that he spoke in that synagogue in his hometown of Nazareth. His mission was to, first of all, speak good news. To speak the kind of news that would have people dancing in the streets, if you will. The kind of news that changes people from the inside out. The good news that sets them free from guilt and shame and sin. He came to proclaim freedom to those held captive by their sin and guilt. He came to bind up the brokenhearted, those beaten down by life and its effects. He came to release the oppressed, and he claimed to, came to declare jubilee. Jubilee, not just every 50 years. He came to declare jubilee every single day of every single year in the life of every single person who will receive his gift of grace. And all of that was going to center on a cross and an empty tomb. That would be the source of Jubilee. You see, it was by his death and resurrection that Jesus would bring the ultimate good news to those who were poor. It was by the cross and the empty tomb that Jesus brings uh, freedom and liberty to those held captive by their own sin and, and sense of shame. It was by the cross and the empty tomb that Jesus brings true healing, healing of the soul, by which he brings forgiveness to the guilty, joy and jubilee to the sad. But what I want us to understand, first of all, is that Jesus' mission, friends, is your mission and mine. His mission is ours. We, too, are to speak good news to the poor, to speak that gospel message of forgiveness and grace through the cross and the empty tomb to whomever will listen. We, too, are sent into this world for a purpose, to proclaim freedom to the captives, that people may know there's a way out of their sense of shame and guilt and regret. We, too, are to bind up the brokenhearted, those who are beaten down by sin and life as it hits them every day. We, too, are to release the oppressed, and we, too, are to declare jubilee to the saddened. It's really what Peter was writing about in that epistle lesson we heard earlier from 1 Peter chapter 2 when he said, You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God in our baptism. So that, and here's our purpose, so that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. We aren't to keep it to ourselves, friends. We are to let the light that is in us shine out from us and proclaim jubilee to a world that needs to hear it. So we need to accept his mission as ours. Secondly, I think what this means is we need to adopt his method for doing this. Let me ask you, as you recall your study of the New Testament, particularly of the gospel stories of Jesus, how did Jesus approach the broken, the bruised, the guilty? He approached them with compassion. Yes, he was serious about sin, but he was even more serious about forgiving the repentant. He approached the broken with compassion and love. 
He fulfilled the words of Isaiah in chapter 42 that we heard in our Old Testament reading for today where it said, a bruised reed he will not break, talking about the Messiah, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. Do you know some people like that? People who are broken and bruised and right on the brink of collapse, who need some compassion and care and gospel love. Do you know someone who's like that smoldering wick about to go out, who needs to have the flame of their faith fanned into a fervent fire through love and care and compassion? You see, Jesus' attitude toward broken people was a genuine, heartfelt desire to bring healing. Healing for their body, yes, of course. He did that many times. But even more so, healing for the soul. And his method, to say it simply, was love. Agape love. Love that looked out for the need of the other. And so, friends, the method of your and my mission is that the mission that was given to us by Jesus at our anointing, at our baptism, the method is love. It's really very simple. It's taking what Jesus did and reenacting it in everything we do and say in our lives. Our task, too, is to spread healing and hope and joy and jubilee everywhere we go. Whom do you know? who needs love. We need to accept his mission. We need to adopt his method. And then thirdly and finally, we need to apply his measurement. How do you measure success? In your business, you have various ways of measuring success, but how do we measure success when it comes to doing the work of the Lord? Well, we get an interesting insight from something that took place uh, a pretty good while after Jesus uh, uh, had given this speech at Nazareth. A rather interesting thing happened, and I'm going to read about it from Luke chapter 7. It'll appear on the screens. It involves John the Baptist, who was in prison. It says, John the Baptist called for two of his disciples, and he sent them to the Lord to ask him, Are you the Messiah we've been expecting, or should we keep looking for someone else? John's two disciples found Jesus and said to him, John the Baptist sent us to ask, Are you the Messiah we've been expecting, or should we keep looking for someone else? Jesus told John's disciples, Go back to John and tell him what you have seen and heard. The blind see, the lame walk. The lepers are cured. The deaf hear. The dead are raised to life. And the good news is being preached to the poor. Notice that in Jesus' response to John the Baptist's question, Jesus refers to his own mission statement. The mission statement that he laid out way back there in the synagogue in Nazareth. Now, we don't know if John the Baptist had been present in that synagogue that day. It's possible. After all, he and Jesus were cousins. But now from prison, John asks, are you really the Messiah or do we keep looking? And Jesus basically says, look at the measure of the Messiah, John. 
Look at the measure of what Messiah is supposed to do. The blind are seeing, the lame are walking, lepers are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and good news is preached to the poor. Basically, he was saying, am I fulfilling my mission or not? You decide. Am I the Messiah? You see, his measurement for success was that lives were being transformed by the good news. That was his measurement. Lives being transformed by the good news. And friends, the measure for you and me is this as well. Am I spreading healing? Am I promoting hope? Am I giving joy and jubilee everywhere that I can? And are people's lives being changed and impacted and transformed by the good news of the cross and the empty tomb. It really brings us back to our purpose, doesn't it? Our purpose for living. I truly pray that your purpose is a lot more than just taking penguins to the movies or something silly like that. I pray that every one of us that calls ourselves a Christian, a little Christ, an anointed one, will live out the mission calling that we were given at our baptism. I challenge all of us today to recommit ourselves to, first of all, accept his mission as our mission. Uh, Commit ourselves to bringing jubilee to people around us who need some good news. I challenge us to adopt his method, to put agape love into practice, to love the brokenhearted with the kind of compassion that Jesus exhibited in his ministry. And thirdly, finally, to apply his measurement, the measurement of lives being transformed by the good news. Let's pray. Messiah Jesus, you were anointed at your baptism into your ministry of bringing jubilee to the world. You gave your very life at the cross and brought yourself back to life out of that tomb to accomplish your mission. Now, O Lord, as you have called us to follow you, help us to live out our calling as well. Help us, Lord, to accept your mission as ours. Help us to adopt your method of love and compassion. Help us to apply your measurement of lives being transformed by your good news. We pray this in your name. Amen.